0: Hello, and welcome to Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I hope you're having a great day. Thanks a lot for tuning in. If you're new to us, welcome, and I'm so happy that you found us. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so, and give us a good rating. It really helps get the word out. Hit that share button. It really helps. Array of Hope is involved in so many aspects of film, music, and events, and this podcast really gives us another opportunity, another outlet to tackle some deeper topics and subjects about our faith. Join us on social media where we keep you engaged through our music, our videos, and our daily reflections. And by the way, all the music that you're going to hear on this podcast today is from the Array of Hope team. So please subscribe to us on Spotify and all the other music platforms. Our lives are such a gift, a gift from God. But sometimes life may seem so hard or difficult that we may wonder where God is in all of this. Why does God allow hardship or suffering in our lives? While suffering is one of life's mysteries, I can tell you this, God would never allow us to experience hardship or suffering unless it weren't ultimately for our good. In other words, God only allows it out of his love for us. As Saint Augustine wrote, Almighty God would never permit evil to exist in his works unless he were so almighty and so good as to produce good even from evil. Also through our suffering, God is inviting us to include Him in our lives. It's these very situations in life in which God is asking us to trust more and more in Him, to let Him help us, to allow Him to show us how we can experience peace amidst life's storms. It's in these very situations that God opens the door to our hearts. Sometimes our hearts need to be softened. Sometimes they need to be broken open. In allowing these heartaches, God teaches us that we cannot do it alone, that we need him and his grace, that only he can be our firm foundation. Sometimes we can only see in hindsight how God's plan for our lives makes sense. You live your life forward, but you understand it backwards. You can see where God was working. You can see how he was drawing you closer and closer to himself. My guest today has an amazing story. He was involved in crime, drugs, and completely removed from the faith. But God used all that to reach people to show everyone he speaks to the beauty of God's mercy and love. Our guest today is Father Donald Calloway. He is an amazing Catholic priest and is truly anointed by God. Today, we're gonna discuss his work on the Consecration of St. Joseph and St. Joseph as the Terror of Demons. So get ready, here we go, and welcome to Reason for Hope.
1: Do you know? Do you know? How much she
2: loves you so?
0: So here we are once again with Dr. David Heideck. Hello, David. How are you today? I'm well, Mario. It's always great hanging with you and shooting the breeze and talking the faith. Love it. Uh, So today's topic, actually, David, uh, is on St. Joseph. Once again, we did a podcast on St. Joseph not too long ago as the protector of the church as we discussed how St. Joseph models authentic masculinity for us. Uh, But our conversation today is going to focus on St. Joseph as the terror of demons Ooh, sounds a little scary, Dave. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's actually something I know very little about, so I'm actually interested to hear what you have to say. This is a topic that the church doesn't really share that much about. Hence, probably our listeners don't know much about it. I don't know much about it. So, Dave, uh, you know, clue us in. Uh, what is this about?
1: Well, it's interesting. The Litany of St. Joseph, which is, of course, uh, been around for a very long time, in the, One of the titles of St. Joseph that is there is Terror of Demons. And what is that about? Mm-hmm. We often don't think about St. Joseph as the Terror of Demons. No. Uh, it's clear that he was given charge of the Holy Family, so he was supposed to protect the Holy Family. He's called the Savior of the Savior. Now, that's an interesting title, too. The Savior of the Savior. Sounds wow. weird. Why would... Jesus need a savior, but you probably recall that, that Herod was, like, seeking the child to kill him. That's right. Mm-hmm. And was so megalomaniacal that, like, he went out and decided to have every male child two years and younger slaughtered. Crazy. In order to protect his right. power. Mm-hmm which was clearly, in my mind, diabolical and demonic. I mean, like, what else can account for mm-hmm. that great and evil? As a result of this, St. Joseph has been named by the church as the protector of the church. Because as he protected the Holy Family, he protects the family of God. And as he protected the physical body of Christ, he protects the mystical body of Christ, the church. It's interesting, uh, in, in the book of Revelation... It says that the devil goes after the child, which is Jesus, and the woman, who's Mary. Mm -hmm. But they're protected somehow. And then the devil goes after the woman's other children, which are defined as those who keep God's commands and hold fast to the testimony of Jesus. That is all faithful Christians. So I've always wondered if the protection that is referred to there included St. Joseph in some way. So I think that, that we have to think about this idea of Joseph as the terror of demons in light of this, this protection that God has entrusted him with having. He's supposed to protect Mary, who is the perfect one, God's perfect one. He's placed in charge of protecting God's son, right? He's the one who... Uh, was protecting them from this diabolical and, and demonic attack from Herod. He's the one who is uh, so instrumental in keeping them safe hmm. so that Jesus can bring about the work of salvation and and Mary can can cooperate in that work of salvation. I think in order to do this, he must have had some special power, some special spiritual weapons at his disposal, you know. Um, And the greatest of these might have been his humility. I mean, after all, think about what the demon's main sin is. It's pride. So what would be the greatest counterbalance or attack towards mm. the demons? It would be humility. And we know that in the Gospels, Joseph doesn't even say a word. Yeah. No.
0: It's incredible that you're talking regarding power. I never thought of St. Joseph as being powerful, you know, and um, why do you think St. Joseph is so powerful? I mean, what makes him so powerful? We're accustomed to calling, you know, upon St. Michael the archangel to fight demons and the devil. And uh, we even know that Mary is known for crushing the head of the serpent, right? But now we're being told that Saint Joseph is the terror of demons, right? You know, so, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, it really is interesting. And this is something that I've only recently discovered too. Obviously, the supreme power against the devil and the demons is Jesus, and calling on the name of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And after that, I think you know we can say, and exorcists have even attested to this that once you bring Mary in, it's over for the demons, right? right. So calling on the Blessed Virgin Mary and invoking her holy name is also so powerful. St. Michael the archangel has been given a particular charge to defend heaven and earth against demons. And we see in that very chapter in the book of Revelation how it's St. Michael who casts the serpent down, right? Mm-hmm. Now, St. Michael's name means who is like God. And I was thinking, you know, who is the one on earth who is like God? Well, we think about Jesus is God, but who is like God? God. Who is Joseph to Jesus? Joseph is Jesus' father. Joseph is the one handpicked by God the Father to be his representative to Jesus on earth, to effectively be like him for Jesus. Now, we don't tend to think about that. In that way, Joseph is connected to St. Michael. Jesus would have called Joseph. Abba, daddy, dada. Mm. And that was what he called his heavenly father. And that's powerful. I think he would have used the same word for St. Joseph that he would have used for his heavenly father in his prayer. And what do fathers do? Fathers protect. Again, we're back to protection. Who is Joseph protecting? Innocence itself. Think about it. Jesus and Mary. This was Joseph's role. And I think it's connected, if you're asking why he's so powerful, I think it has to do with his innocence and purity, his chastity. He's called, another title, the most chaste spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We talk a little bit about Joseph's chastity in that previous episode you referred to. But this doesn't only refer to the fact that he and Mary were celibate throughout their marriage since they had made a vow of virginity but that he had a purity, an innocence that was unmatched. How could he protect innocence itself if he were not innocent? How could he protect the spotless lamb and Mary most pure if he were not himself spotless and pure? So his power comes from his purity. This is also interesting. I've heard that all of hell hates St. Joseph. Hates St. Joseph. Why? Why? He embarrasses them. Jesus is the son of God. So the the demons kind of know Jesus is superior to them, right? St. Michael, he's an angel. He's like one of them. Mary, though a human being, was free from the stain of original sin from the moment of her conception. And our listeners may not know. That meant, by the way, as a consequence, she was free from the sway of concupiscence. She didn't have the disordering of her powers that fallen human beings experience as a result of original sin, that kind of fallenness that makes the practice of virtue more difficult. St. Joseph, on the other hand, was not only a mere man, but he was so pure in spite of the effects of original sin. So, though clearly he was given a special grace, it's important for us to remember that St. Joseph had a fallen nature like you and like me, and yet he was so pure now this is an embarrassment because there's nothing they could do to him to cause him to fall from his purity or from his innocence even though he suffered this fallen nature and so in a way saint joseph is a mockery to them he 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 uh, what what's one way we could put it he shows them up they hate him because he shows them up and and I think that that's also very important for us as people who also have a fallen humanity to see that with God's grace, innocence and purity is possible. Yeah, I, th- that's awesome. It actually uh,
0: inspires me and gives me hope, right, as a man, because here's... Immortal, just like you and I, Dave, that was able to achieve this immense power through purity, uh, through faith, right? It really inspires us to be fathers, to be good husbands, to be good protectors. So why do you think it's so important to invoke St. Joseph to combat the demons today?
1: Well, I think that if we're looking at St. Joseph as the protector of a family— That where the diabolical is wreaking havoc in our society today, in my opinion, is with attacks on the family, with attacks Mm -hmm. on God's plan for marriage, God's plan for sexuality, God's plan for the family. You know, really this attack of the demonic on the family is right in the beginning. I mean, think about... Uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, like the first breakdown of the family, was really Adam and Eve, right? I mean, like they they covered up because after they sinned, and and there was now something broken in their relationship that resulted from their fallen nature that was going to get passed on to their kids. I mean, think about it. they have they have. Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel. I mean, it didn't take long for, like, a dysfunctional family to arise. (laughs) You know, like, and and that's all demonically inspired, right? God says to Cain, you know, sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. It's seeking you, but you must master it. I mean, you could totally see that Cain is tempted by Satan to kill his brother. So I think that that's where Satan originally went to attack. And I think he still does today. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I think we can see that. You know, um, one of our previous podcasts was on Fatima, and there's the miracle of the sun. A lot of people would know about that. What what many people don't know is that right prior to that miracle, there was a vision in the sky of St. Joseph holding the child Jesus. So St. Joseph with the child Jesus was on one side, and Our Lady was on the other side. And I read a wonderful little booklet on this, very thing, that talks about this, this author's interpretation of Joseph with the child Jesus was that Fatima was also related to fatherhood and masculinity. And if we looked at, as we did in the, that Fatima episode, how Fatima is so relevant for today, particularly because of the attacks on the family and the like, what's one of those attacks? It's an attack on masculinity. It's an attack on fatherhood. And so St. Joseph is really, really important for fathers to pray for him to defend them, to help them be the kind of fathers they're supposed to be, to be the kind of husbands they're supposed to be, to be themselves chaste, to not have a hint of impurity in their love for their spouse or for anyone else. I, I also think it's important for us to pray to St. Joseph about the culture and all the attacks on the family and on gender, sexuality, and the like. We're seeing Satan having a field day and uh, and really trying to deconstruct the family and reconstruct it as almost like an anti-creation. And I think that that's a place where St. Joseph can come in. You know, it's interesting, just a, a final thought. Uh, the exorcists have been saying that Demons are getting more difficult to expel in recent times. And uh, one priest, exorcist, theologian I heard recently uh, attributed this to the holiness of the church and her members or maybe the lack of holiness Mm. because exorcisms are performed in the name of Christ but from the spiritual treasures of the church. And so we need to make sure we're being pure and we're being holy and uh, ask Joseph to help us in that so, that so that our own holiness can be part of the spiritual treasury that the church has to combat demons in our culture mm-hmm. and in our world. And so we have to do our part. And many people think, well, holiness is just about me. It's not. It's about you for the church and each one of our own lives and the holiness of our own lives goes to foster the salvation of the world and the work of the church in a spiritual way. And our lack of holiness hurts the work of the church. And so I think that that's something that we should keep in mind, too.
0: Yeah, good point. We are the body of Christ, right? That's if right. Part of the body is hurting or weak or weak. It hurts the entire church. That's right. So this is awesome. Um, I I think uh, for our listeners, this is just uh, another ally. I mean, often many of us pray to St. Michael. We should definitely pray, you know, to St. Joseph. I mean, he's powerful. Man, this guy's got muscles. They're terrified of him. (laughs) Terrified. All right. Thanks, Dave. Great hanging. Take care. You know, sometimes we might feel that life is difficult, and we feel like we have shackles on preventing us from being happy. But it's exactly the opposite. Those shackles are our own fear and lack of obedience to God's calling. So we want to obey God's will and break away from those shackles. We did a song not too long ago, the Array of Hope music team, called Shackles. Uh, it's a great little tune. It's by Mary Mary, and it's our own little cover of it. Check it out.
1: Yeah.
0: I am very excited today. My guest is Father Donald Calloway. Father Calloway is a member of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Before his conversion, he was a high school dropout, if you can believe this. He was kicked out of a foreign country, institutionalized twice, and thrown in the jail multiple times. After his radical conversion, he earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy and theology from Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. He then earned his master's degree in divinity and his bachelor's in sacred theology from the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. He has written 12 books, including the bestsellers No Turning Back, A Witness to Mercy, and The Champions of the Rosary, the history and heroes of a spiritual weapon he leads pilgrimages to Marian shrines around the world and resides in steubenville ohio i am so excited to invite this amazing priest to our podcast so here we are today with father calloway and we're so excited to have him on board father thank you so much for joining us Uh, Today it's an honor to be with you. Uh, I don't know if you remember, we met a couple of times at some Catholic conventions and events. But uh, it's great to spend a little bit of time with you and share the faith and and really be inspired by one another. And in particular, your message this year with uh, the Year of Joseph. Um, Mm, So um, before I get into all that uh, with you, um, generally I like to know a little bit about the person I'm interviewing. Now I know a little bit about you, but I think some of our listeners may not. So um, what was the Father Calloway like when he was a kid? Were you brought up Catholic? Uh, What was your upbringing like? What were your parents like? Maybe you can give us a little bit of a uh, background.
2: Sure. Yeah, so I I wasn't Catholic. I wasn't raised in a Catholic uh, home, uh, a Christian home, any kind of religious home. And I lived in a very tumultuous uh, household. My mother was married three times before I was 10. Wow. And— Yeah, we ended up living in Japan. My stepfather was in the military. I ran away from home over there. I got involved in drugs and the Japanese mafia when I was 15 years old and um, ended up being kicked out of the country of Japan, came back to the States, and I went to two drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers. I got thrown in jail when I turned 18. I had long hair down to my waist. I followed an old hippie band called The Grateful Dead. My life was a disaster, <laughs> but no. but through all that, my parents had a wild conversion experience. They became Catholic. I had no idea what they were doing. I wanted nothing to do with it. But three years later, I got the divine two by four. I got hammered by the truth, fell madly in love with Jesus Christ, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the teachings of the church and all of it, and became Catholic. And um, that was in 92, so a long time ago, And then I got my vocation, studied for 10 years to be a priest. And now I've been a priest for 18 years. So praise God.
0: That's awesome. What was it? um, What were those early years like when you were, uh, you were, you know, you were addicted to drugs, I remember, right? And you were really involved in crime. What was that? uh, Obviously, God was not in your life at that time, in that moment. Uh, Maybe you could bring this back. What was that like being void of God? And now you're a priest.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I was searching. You know, everybody wants to be happy, even the most pagan, atheist, liberal, whacked out thinker in the world. They, they do everything they do and they think what they think because they want to be happy. It's just so many of us, like I was, I was deluded, I, I was deceived, I was tricked by the world. And um, I was miserable because I, I had no goal, I had, I, had, I had nothing to look forward to after this life although you talk about silly stuff, you're just making reincarnation, you know, but that stuff is bogus. Mm. Um, so I, when I had my conversion, the truth of Jesus Christ unlocked everything for me. Um, and I was free and, um, I'm eternally grateful.
0: Well, father, let's talk about that conversion. I mean, uh, there, there are many people that, you know, are, are practicing Catholics, uh, many people that go to mass. There are many people that pray, um, but there's a void of actually having a relationship or a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There must've been that moment uh, in your life where you felt God was real. What was that mm-hmm. moment like and how did that moment occur in your life?
2: Yeah, so in one of my books where I recount my whole conversion experience, I call it like the honeymoon with God because I felt so loved. And so what I call mercified, you know, I did a lot of jacked up stuff. I hurt a lot of people and I experienced mercy. And that was so transformative for me because I knew that God was in love with me, even though I was wretched and I'd done so many bad things. And that relationship I knew was so real. I knew there was a God. I knew it was Jesus Christ that um, my whole day revolved around that reality. So everything that I did, what I entertained myself with the relationships that I had, um, I had to put in the correct place so that I was pleasing to God. And I was in love. When you're in love, you do crazy stuff. And mm. I was I was madly crazy in love and still am with Jesus.
0: So if I hear you correctly, so there's a point where you recognized or realized that our Lord was merciful and had mm-hmm. forgiven you for. Uh, what you might've done. And, uh, some people feel that they, they can't forgive themselves and then believe that God would never be able to forgive themselves because they can't forgive themselves for the acts that they've done. And sister yeah. Faustina has shown us and said to us through her visions with our Lord is that he wants that mercy to be poured upon us. Maybe you can just share a little bit, the importance of that, uh, how it affected you and how it how it really changed your trajectory, you know, in your life really.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge, made a huge difference in my life because, you know, I had dropped out of high school and I had done so many bad things that I actually had people say to me, um, you're never going to amount to anything. You're you're pointless. You're worthless. I mean, I had a a principal at at the school that where I dropped out, I got called to his office shortly before I just stopped going to school. And he said Mm -hmm. to me to my face, you're never going to become anything. That's what he said. And That lack of affirmation and just beating somebody down verbally, that does serious damage. And I began to believe it and live it. And I was like, well, fine. If that's the case, then I'm just going to get stoned, bro, and and chase (laughs) as many girls as I can. What's the point? But God had another plan. Right, exactly. But God was saying, I love you. I know you've done a lot of wrong. And I'm merciful. And I'm here for you. And all I had to do was humble myself and acknowledge I needed them. And the fire hydrant of God's love and mercy was on my soul, and it was transformative. I needed that, and so many people do need that. I know you've written a
0: lot of books on Our Lady and the consecration of Our Lady, and 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 why is consecrating ourselves to Saint Joseph a little different, uh, mm. from your perspective as someone that was inspired to write about Saint Joseph in such a way? Uh, and why is it different for someone that want to con- they may want to consider to consecrate themselves to Saint Joseph?
2: Yeah, well, you know, um, we're brothers and sisters of Jesus, so we have to have on some level the same parents that he has. So Mary is our spiritual mother. We've known this for centuries, but we've never fully understood the role of St. Joseph in our spiritual life. Certain saints have, and popes have talked about it, but now it seems the church is really emphasizing this because... Half of all marriages end in divorce today. Mm. 25%, one-fourth of all children are raised in a home without a father. There's an attack on marriage, family, and fatherhood today, unprecedented. And we need a good father to teach men especially what it means to be a man and and a faithful husband. And so in my prayer, you know, it came to me, nobody's better than St. Joseph on this. And I know what he did for me in my own conversion. He helped me to relearn how to be a man. And I know that he's going to do this for so many in the world today. And he's going to comfort women who many of them have been hurt by men, whether verbally, physically, or God forbid worse. And so they need a loving man in their life, too. And St. Joseph, he's the guy. So this is the time. And the Pope sees this, too. I mean, he declared a year of St. Joseph, right? That's right. right. (laughs)
0: So, so, Father, what are some of those discoveries that you made about St. Joseph that maybe most of us don't realize? Uh, there's mm. very little written about him in Scripture. Uh, he's never said a word, right? Yet, right. you know, uh, there, we're, we're trying to have a devotion toward him and consecrate ourselves to him. So what can mm. you share with our listening audience that would inspire someone to look into St. Joseph? What are the discoveries you've had?
2: Yeah, so um, you're right, we don't have a lot from him in the scriptures, but we have to remember as Catholics, scripture is the primary source of divine revelation, God speaking to us, but we also have tradition and the magisterium. So from the lives of saints, from what popes have said, what mystics have said, and not weirdos, but like legitimate mystics, because um, there's a lot of weird stuff, people say stuff you know, all the time and it's like, okay, that's odd, you know. Um, when you look at the serious ones that the church has affirmed, and if you use common sense and reason, you can draw you know some conclusions that Saint Joseph had to be the best of all men. I mean, he, he was chosen to be the, the stand-in for the heavenly father to raise the Son of God. You're not going to entrust your son into the arms of a loser. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to entrust him into the guy who has like the most virtues yeah. ever, who's like the perfect man. Um, and you're gonna entrust you know, a man who's going to be the husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary—he's going to be a stellar guy. He's going to have a chaste heart, and you know, look at all the work he had to do, the the walking that he had to do, and all likelihood, he was a lot younger than he's been depicted in artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and also strong. I mean, a carpenter who also would have worked with stone. I mean, this guy could swing an axe. He could carry <laughs> boulders. You know. Yeah. I mean, he, he was probably ripped, to be honest with you, right? <laughs> um so those kind of things you could unpack it pretty well and get a pretty good understanding of who historically spiritually all that kind of stuff saint joseph would have been
0: yeah it's funny you should say that you felt or you you you're assuming or you're you're assessing that saint joseph was young we talked about that in an earlier podcast i mean he had to Mm -hmm. be right he walked hundreds of miles uh carpenters back then really probably weren't carpenters we probably there were Masons right rock builders and build foundations so you know I'm with you on that father I, we I feel yeah. that he was a young man you know it's a yeah it's a yeah. Mr. yeah
2: yeah yeah and there's tons of Saints who have affirmed that I continue to find quotes from Saints almost weekly because a, a lot of their material it's not in English you know it's it's in some other language around the world so I'm having friends translate these things and these quotes are off the charts. I'm like, man, if the world only knew what the saints have said and how they unpack it from reason. I mean, just for example, Saint Joseph had to walk to Jerusalem three times a year to fulfill Jewish rituals. Right. From Nazareth, that's a three days walk one way. Right, right. Let's say that he did that for 30 years, let's just say, right? If you do the math, St. Joseph walked more than halfway around the planet. I mean, it's crazy. you gotta be, you gotta be strong and young, youthful yeah. to do that, right?
0: Right, right. Incredible. Um, so, uh, our Pope declared the year of St. Joseph, and um, I know that it's, you know, you kind of, were you, you were probably writing your book before that, though, right?
2: I was, yeah, yeah I was doing the research, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: so, why do you think the Holy Spirit inspired you uh, to uh, share the importance of Saint Joseph, Jesus's father? Yeah.
2: Well, I so I've been a priest eighteen years now. So mm-hmm. about four mm-hmm. years ago, I had people coming up to me on a daily basis, good people, and they were saying, "Father, my marriage is in, in, is a disaster. We're on the verge of separating or getting a divorce. Or you know, my children don't go to church." this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh man, I'm hearing this so much. What do I do? So I, I took it to prayer. And that's where I really strongly felt that in these crazy times, we need to bring in a loving father because a father restores order in a chaotic household. And so we love Our Lady. She, and, and this isn't a competition, by the way. It's, it's, it's a complementarity. Every home needs a mother and a father. That's how God des- designed it. And so we need to bring in St. Joseph into our spiritual lives because with Our Lady and under her, right? And he's not greater than she is. And again, it's not a competition. Right. I think that we'll be able to start getting some things right, mm-hmm. you know, in the church. The church is going through a very difficult time. Yeah. There's a lot of infighting, right? The children of God are at each other's throats right now, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this
2: isn't good. This isn't pleasing to God. Right. So we've got to bring in mom and dad, restore some order, and and bring virtue back into our lives. So that that's what I was inspired to do.
0: So, um, some of our earlier uh, podcasts, we talked about angels, demons, and spiritual warfare. And and I know I've just found out recently when I was doing my little research on Saint Joseph that he has a title, terror of demons, or he has an ability like Saint Michael to fight off demons. Maybe you mm-hmm. can share. Uh, how we can pray to St. Joseph when we're in our own spiritual warfare uh, and how we can come to our aid.
2: Yeah, thats I have to say that that title, Terror of Demons, is my personal favorite title of St. Joseph. Um, I find that for men, it tends to be the case because it's like the money title. It's the gladiator title. It's the knight warrior title, right? It's cool that he holds a lily, which is awesome, but a lily is not that intimidating when you look at it. That's why I even commissioned artwork that shows him as the terror of demons holding the lily because that's traditional, but more it's more like a staff or, or a lance of a spiritual warrior Yeah. because it signifies his purity. And it's that purity of St. Joseph that pierces evil, pierces the serpent dragon, because we live in a very lustful, pornographic time mm. where so many men, yeah. the vast majority of men have fallen into sin through pornography. Yeah. If we want to be holy and imitate St. Joseph in his purity, we are gonna be a force to be reckoned. with. We will become terrors of demons. See, when you're not pure, the devil ain't worried about you. You're spiritually impotent, you have no power. The pure of heart shall see God, that's what Jesus said. Joseph did for 30 years face to face. If we as men especially can be like him, and our particular vocations, we are going to be powerful. And and that's one reason why he's called terror of demons. Another one is that he alone with our lady, they're the only ones that can refer to God as their son. Hmm. I can't do that. You and I can't say a prayer to Jesus that says, Jesus, my savior and my son. Right, you know, right. We need therapy if we think that way. <laughs> he's, he's not our son, right, right, but right. he is the son of Mary and Joseph. So hmm. when they make a request known to Jesus Consider it done. Just like I would do stuff to please my mom or dad if they asked. Sure. Well, so does Jesus. And the devil is absolutely terrified of this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's uh I, and this is a revelation that only came to me recently when I started really diving a little deeper on St. Joseph. We prayed at St. Michael the Archangel here every day. We prayed to St. Michael when we're about to do an event or the, you know, with the equipment, please don't fail. You know, keep those demons away. And now we're starting to pray to St. Joseph as well. Uh, As a father, as a husband, um, St. Joseph is certainly a beautiful example. Maybe you could share with our audience um, how St. Joseph can help uh, intercede for men that are trying to be spiritual leaders within their family.
2: Yeah, this is a big thing today because there is a certain what I call patricide happening in culture. And that means if you break that word down, it means the killing of the fathers, not literally, but their importance in family life and society is being cast aside. The majority of men today in their role as father in movies and sitcoms, they're portrayed as buffoons. They're fools. They, they don't know anything about life. It's it's the woman who runs the show. It's the children who know more than their dad. They, matter of fact, they mock him, ridicule him, laugh at him as he lies on the couch as yeah. a fat man eating his potato <laughs> chips. And, they, they, you know, yeah. that's how fathers are portrayed today. It's crazy. I mean, last year on uh, a magazine called Parents Magazine. Okay, I don't look at this magazine because it's not a good one. How many fathers appeared on the cover of Parents Magazine? Zero. See, there, there's an attack on fatherhood. So mm-hmm. men are confused today. So we need to look to a model who's going to be a good one for us because as men, we look to, you know, sports figures or musicians or actors or whatever, right? And, and we want to be like them. I mean, when I was a kid, if I watched a Bruce Lee movie, I wanted to be Bruce Lee. If I, You know, so we men need to look to the perfect one, not the flawed ones. And the perfect one is St. Joseph. He'll help us to be, To avoid the extremes, we don't want to be ogres who are strong and we hurt people with our strength. That's not good. And on the other side, we don't want to just be women, right, where we're just, you know, we we look like a woman, we talk like a woman, we dress like a woman. This is the problem we have today with gender ideology or these things are being so confused that men are like, I don't even know what it means to be a man, right? Crazy, yeah. So we need to go to St. Joseph. He's going to teach us in a loving way.
0: Amen. Amen. Um, so father, uh, as I'm speaking with you, uh, and I know that when you were on the, um, the conference for St. John's seminary, you were in the same space and yeah. uh, I'm seeing you all the, the relics behind you. It's like a all-star yeah, shelf you've got there. I'm curious father. I mean, what what do you, where are you? Number one. And <laughs> number two, um, what are some of those relics he got behind you?
2: Yeah, so um, these are actually not mine. These are a friend of mine's. And they have like a little private chapel in their home. And these, rel- these are just some of them. Uh, the whole room here is surrounded by relics. It's absolutely amazing. Um, they've called it um, All Saints Chapel. And you've got like, I don't know which one it is behind me. Um, and trying to point with the camera, it's a little difficult. But one of them is like a piece of the cloak of St. Joseph. Wow. I mean, this is extraordinarily rare. Wow. Um, yeah. And then there's one here. I'll pick it up and show you. This one is extraordinary. This is a piece of the true cross right here. I mean, that's just amazing, right? So, wow. And so the, these are all saints behind me. So it, it's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Father, you're in a room full of saints. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, awesome. you know, it, it just dawns on me. We've been doing this podcast now for a year and we never talked about relics so I think it'd be kind of cool. Why? What is a relic? So our listeners and viewers can check that out. And there are different. There are three different types of relics. Maybe you can kind of explain uh, how our church views a relic, uh, what they yeah. mean, and the power that they pack.
2: Yeah. So you know, right in the scriptures in the New Testament, we hear about like um, the, even the shadow of Saint Peter being uh, uh, a means of Bringing healing to someone. So God does the healing, but because of our faith, you know, if we come in contact with things that are close to God, we can experience healing, you know, if we have faith. And so if that happens for something like a shadow of a saint, um, certainly if we have like something from their body, like a piece of their bone, for example, um, that's where that devotion comes in to ask someone to intercede for you to bring you closer to Jesus and to pray for healing if it's God's holy will. So we've got three classes of of relics. So we've got a first class relic, which is a piece of their body. So a bone, a hair, something like that, right? Um, But interestingly enough, we don't have these relics for for Mary or Joseph. We don't have a piece of their body Um, because the church teaches that Mary was assumed into heaven And there's a pious tradition that Joseph also was taken to heaven. So I have a piece of his cloak, right? So if you have something that has been touched to their body, that's a second class uh, relic, um, which is amazing, right? And then if you have something that simply belonged to them, um, that would be considered a, a third class relic. So these are just pious ways of ultimately bringing us closer to Jesus that's what the saints do. It's not about them. it's about bringing us closer to Jesus Christ
0: yeah that's 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 amazing now um wasn't there a scene where uh, Jesus was walking through a crowd and a woman that was ill or sick grabbed just touched Jesus and she was immediately she was immediately yep. healed and I know I, I read somewhere that the understanding of a relic she had faith and she yep. just rubbed against Jesus and she was healed.
2: Yeah, that's right. And she she only touched the tassel of his that's garment. Right. She never even touched his body. That's right. Um, so this isn't magic, right? This isn't some weird thing Catholics created. It's right there in the New Testament, that's right. right? Yeah.
0: So yeah, I, I kind of wanted to bring that. I wanted to bring that to the forefront because some, sometimes mm. you know, as Catholics, we're accused of making stuff up. It's not scripture. Right. But uh, right. you know, when you go deeper into our scriptures, into the Bible, you really uh, it's an abundance of discoveries. So that's right. uh, uh, Father. Um, it's so great, you know, sharing the faith with you and 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 you know, spending some time with you. Is there anything on your heart that you maybe you want to share about Saint Joseph? That uh, I think this such is such as an important message, particularly because I'm a father and a husband. Yeah. I think men, yeah. as you had stated very clearly, are in distress. Our culture is attac- mm. attacking men, in particular, yeah. attacking attacking husbands. Uh, I think uh, m- most men are lost. Uh, maybe mm. there's something you can you, you can share that would really mm. um, inspire someone.
2: Yeah, I would say um, definitely get a copy of the book if you haven't already. <laughs> absolutely,
0: right? absolutely. Yep. yeah,
2: get, get a copy of this Consecration to St. Joseph. I spent three years of my life doing all the research for you, so you don't have to do anything now. <laughs> I did it all for you. Um, and what it is, is it's a way of getting to know St. Joseph And falling in love with St. Joseph, realizing who he was and how he loves you, right? He wants to help you get closer to Jesus and get to heaven. And that's what the saints do. And it's a 33 day program. It requires about 20 minutes a day, if that. And trust me, trust me, you will get to know St. Joseph in a huge way. I mean, the feedback from this is amazing. I mean, we've sold like almost a million copies It's only been out for a year. It's in 15 languages now, and it's changing lives. It's healing marriages. Men, in particular, are finding freedom from things like pornography. I've had so many men as a priest, you know, come up to me and say, Father, I've struggled with this particular sin for decades, Father. You know, I just keep falling, and I'm a married man even, Father. What do I do? Go to Joseph. He has an unbelievable ability to help a man change in this area. It's incredible. So you can get the paperback, ebook, audiobook, and we have a website where you can check that out. It's um, consecrationtostjoseph.org. And the saint is not spelled out. It's just S-T. So consecrationtostjoseph.org. Get a copy and, and do it. I, I think you'll really love it.
0: That's awesome, Father. And we would definitely share it when we when we release this podcast. So uh, I I just want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. And, you know, God bless you. Uh, God bless your work. Uh, Let's continue to pray for one another. We always pray for our clergy, our church here at Array of Hope every single day at three o'clock when we do the chaplet. Um, Would you like to end with a prayer, Father?
2: I'd love to. Absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, pour down your graces and mercies upon all the listeners and viewers, especially for their intentions, for them to trust you, to have confidence in you, and for those family members that they might have who are away from you, who are away from the church and the sacraments, that they would have a conversion and come back to you. And we uh, ask this through the intercession of Our Lady and the great Saint Joseph. And may Almighty God bless you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for, uh, for that. Uh, God bless you and uh, be well.
2: Thanks, brother. God bless you too.
0: Well, we come to the end of yet another podcast, I want to remind you to please hit that share button so others can check this out as well. The more people know about our work, the more souls we can bring to Christ. I want to thank our donors and our supporters of Array of Hope. You can become part of the Array of Hope family by going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.net. Also, please stay in touch with us throughout the week on social media, where we can keep you engaged through the music, our videos, and our daily reflections. There's lots of great stuff up there. Stay tuned for our live broadcasts on Facebook and Instagram. And also, we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet daily, every day on Instagram at 3 p.m. Please join us as we pray. I also want to thank my co-producer, Dr. David Heideck, and our engineer, Jack Garno, for putting all this together. So thanks for joining us today. And there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace.